This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What would you say if I told you there's a book that can teach you how to win The Bachelor? What would you say if I told you producers caught multiple finalists reading that book in this season that's currently airing? What would you say if I told you the producers don't want anyone to know that their show has been compromised? How do we know all this? We wrote that book. I'm Lizzie Pace. And I'm Chad Colchin. We're the authors of How to Win the Bachelor and the hosts of the Game of Roses podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we break down all the biggest plays, errors, and MVPs in the game of reality television. Listen to Game of Roses wherever you get your podcasts and go to howtowinthebachelor.com to get our book. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hi, Dave here, and this is my wife, Kathy. Hello. And this is the Cinemile, the podcast where we walk home from the movies. But we're uh, still on paternity leave, mm-hmm. officially. A hiatus of sorts. Yes, but we thought we'd break our hiatus because <laughs> yes. it's Valentine's Day. And we love doing podcasts. Yeah, we are addicted to podcasting. Um, and you may hear a baby in the background. There's a ba- yeah, Elliot's here as well. <laughs> Oscar is uh, taking a convenient nap. So we thought we'd squeeze in. The movie that we said we'd watch because we are a glutton for podcasting. Yeah. So, and we love watching uh, themed movies. So wanted to watch a romantic movie for Valentine's. Right. So Kathy um, takes full credit for doing all of this. So she took, she chose four uh, romantic comedies. I think they're all romantic. No, oh, no, no. Romantic. Ghost, romantic. Isn't, romantic. Ghost and, isn't in the notebook. <coughs> all right. Comedies. Four romantic movies uh, for Valentine's Day. Uh, we asked our, our Twitter followers to vote. And the options were When Harry Met Sally, Ghost, My Best Friend's Wedding, or The Notebook. And uh, it was a pretty clear front runner. You know what it is. By you've Valentine's Miles, Harry Met Sally, 53%. Yeah. My Best Friend's Wedding, I was dead keen to watch 11%, Worst of the Bunch. Ghost um, and The Notebook tied at 18. You hadn't seen The Notebook, I've right? never seen The Notebook, so you and, I, to see it. and I don't think I've ever seen My Best Friend's Wedding, in fact. Oh. I've seen When Harry Met Sally a couple of times. I've seen Ghost lots of times. Yeah, same. Uh, really like these movies. So we're watching When Harry Met Sally. I know, I'm so excited. I've actually only seen this maybe twice, and I think with you last time, I think we watched it together yeah, about eight years ago, maybe. A few years ago. Yeah. Is it that long ago? Maybe. Um, um, but yeah, I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, I actually can't really remember it, which is lovely, uh, but I remember that I loved it. Well, it's a film that... Um, yeah, I can't recall the plot, 
so to speak, except they're friends. And she fakes an orgasm. And yeah, that famous scene. Yeah. But it's like I remember moments from it rather than mm-hmm. plot. I'm not and I remember really the sure ending. There is much of a plot, really. Uh, well, we'll find out. Yeah. Um, right, let's uh, stick this on before one or a t'other <laughs> of the kids wake up. Do you know the best thing about being on um, maternity or paternity leave, though, is watching a movie at like noon on a Friday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> I just could not be happier. And eating chocolates. So here yeah. we go. All right. Yeah. See Bye. you in a bit. Bye. I need to talk. What happened? What's the matter? Mary came over last I night. I went over to Sally's last night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting married. And one thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were kissing. To make and a then long story short, we, we did, did it. They did it. It's challenging. <laughs> I'm difficult. I'm too structured. I'm completely closed off. But in a good way. And I'm gonna be forty. <laughs> when? <laughs> Someday. In eight years. Men. Charlie Chaplin had babies when he was 73. Yeah, but he was too old to pick them up. Elliot, did you like the movie? <laughs> <laughs> He's still asleep. This is what I love about newborns. <laughs> it's amazing. And uh, luckily, Oscar's still asleep as well. Because only I an hour and a half the movie, so. I reckon we don't have long. We don't have long. Um, this has to be really quick, right? So, we do these reviews a lot on our um, Patreon, where we watch retro movies and chat about them. And as part of that, we always have fun facts. So, Dave has very kindly gone off and done some homework. We've got some fun facts on one Harry Met Sally, and we're going to chat about the movie. Uh, what do you reckon? What did, about the movie? Did you or you enjoy want it? your fun facts? Now? I want the you want movie. your fun facts here. No, I want to talk about the movie. Then I want to be inundated with fun facts. <laughs> inundated. You always <laughs> apply so much pressure to this. Um, all right. So first of all, no spoilers for the 1989 movie when Harry met Sally. Uh, <laughs> no spoilers. Well, oh, fine. Yeah, full spoilers. Full spoilers. All right, that makes more sense. I mean, look, if you don't guess how it ends. (laughs) Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. For when Harry Yeah, we're on spoiler sofa fully, right? If you haven't caught up with this movie in 31 years, then good luck to you. All right, well, you absolutely should because it's a cracking movie. Oh, my God. It's like, uh, it just feels timeless. Nora Ephron, I absolutely love her. She wrote the script and it's just... Oh, the script of this movie... It's fizzling. Is this, no, sizzling. This, it's fizzling. Sizzling. It's fizz, fizzling is bad. Something, it's fizz, something, sizzling. something fizzles out. Like within minutes, we were just laughing our heads off. It's so quick. Like how the movie starts yeah. is literally the moment they meet um, and they're doing an 18 hour drive to New York together. And it's just the dialogue in that car scene. I could have just watched that car scene all but day. The, 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 the dialogue throughout this movie, because that's all this movie is, yeah. is dialogue. Dialogue, no, brilliant acting and... That that's it. That's all you need for a good movie. You know, we referenced the the plot earlier, but there is there really is no plot to this. The plot is just that they begin, they meet each other, kind of over a couple of years, kind of keep re meeting each other, eventually become friends, and eventually fall in love. And that sounds quite dull, but absolutely like not a moment of dullness in this movie. Well, it's wonderful. I love the two actors together. You could just spend. I mean, it's just you could. I could have watched. Um, twice the length of this movie. Yeah. I could have watched it for three hours. You could just watch um, Harry and Sally uh, just walk around New York having conversations. It's for so funny. Endlessly. We laughed so much more in this than at any like comedy I've laughed it's at in a long time. so funny. Yeah. It's absolutely hilarious. But like um, it's got that sort of um, familiar relatable um, 
it's it's familiar relatable scenarios about your uh life your uh your romantic life or otherwise and or or things you recognize in your own relationship or other people's relationships i find like, it really interesting that like it's kind of posited from the very beginning by harry that a man and a woman can never be friends um and then they add a little caveat to that later in the movie which is like unless they're both in a relationship with someone else and i was trying to think because i've loads of male friends and i was trying to think if I have any male friends who are single and straight and then I thought the only single straight male friends I have are ones that are also friends with you from like when we were in university. So I was like, actually, all most of the male friends I have <clears throat> but that's, are in couples. Um, it's interesting. Like they're, the stuff they're talking about, you, you can think about it in your own life and you're like, oh, I can like, this but, is actually really interesting to think they, about in your own you friendships. Get, you get to a, well, true. And I, and I think the same applies to me. I'm struggling to think of um, any single female. But do they have to be single? Do they, do? Well, he was saying it only works if you're both in a relationship. Oh, right, right. That's part so of he his, was saying his claws, his claws. I mean, it's too hard for us to tell because we've been together too long. Well, also, when you get to our age as well, the, your, the amount of single friends you have is vastly reduced. Like it, when we're in our early 20s, loads of us were single, for instance. I guess you've you know, less you friends I mean? in your mid-30s who are single. Like, you still have single friends, but yeah. there's just less of them. Anyway, it's so interesting. Like, every conversation they're having, you can apply to your life. Okay, well, it's interesting you you mentioned that central question, because that's, having done some research on the on the movie, that's kind of is, um, that's the core conceit of this movie, yeah. so to speak. And it's all that, um, it's it's basically all that, uh, it's what triggered this whole movie from for Nora Ephron. Interesting. So, so well, I tell you very briefly how this all came about. So tell me, but also, can we just say, of course, you couldn't just be friends with Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan in this movie oh, is gorgeous. possibly the most beautiful woman yeah. I've ever seen in my life. But you know what, Billy Billy Crystal was a handsome man. Yeah, he's he is cute. A handsome man. Um, my preference is because we see lots of different looks from Billy. I'm into the beard as usual. Always love a beard. Yeah, which is why Dave has to always have a beard. <laughs> but That's also, <laughs> um, I just think like I didn't before you get to your first of your fun facts I didn't realise what a good actress Meg Ryan was until I saw her in this movie she's brilliant in this brilliant, movie brilliant tremendous yeah um, she really liked the scenes where you watch her do some very subtle acting because she plays this character who's very together very put together there's one or two scenes after they kind of initially sleep with each other and he treats her poorly she you see the scene where it's almost like she she's crestfallen for a split second her face is crestfallen and then she like zips herself up and puts her shoulders back and sits up straight but yeah. it's very subtle it's much subtler than it's how I've said it it's all body language and she's so good and also her evolution as the movie goes on Billy um, Billy Crystal's kind of the same throughout the movie right he's a bit snarky and a bit sassy and a bit um, dismissive of emotional no, stuff well, but she changes at the start of the movie she's so uptight and and by the end of the movie she's so different and I think she she plays that arc really well I think they I think they both um, change massively throughout this movie yeah he becomes softer he, much softer as well yeah when you think of in that that opening scene it's wonderful because they're both they both play them they play those characters so differently in that opening scene when they're where they're these like pretentious precocious uh, university of students of course and that's what you're like in so university much, oh god yes you so try the, so hard the arrogance of billy of harry um in in that scene is so familiar to yeah. me yeah i did recognize of, a bit of a young david corker yeah even. just the, the unbridled <laughs> certainty about like life and the way he goes about darkness you don't know anything about darkness he's ever, like i think about death all the time <laughs> I think about death. and he says and she 
he says, yeah, sure I do. It's like, what, you think about death for like a moment, but I spent hours <laughs> thinking about death. And it's just like, it's so wonderful. But the way he, the way he play, he, he dials up the obnoxiousness of Harry because Harry is an obnoxious character yeah. who becomes less obnoxious over time mm-hmm. and more of a listener. Um, he, he learns to be a better person through his friendship with Sally. Yeah. But in that opening scene, he's peak obnoxious. But with the whole, the the, the, the thing with the grapes is such a wonderful little touch. Oh my God, it's so good. I've never seen someone eat grapes in such an annoying way. He eats the grapes. Chomping them, spitting the seeds out the window. He, but he, he goes to eat. exudes arrogance. He's in her car. They've never met before. They're driving to New York. He like really disrupts her driving, rooting her in the back to get the grapes. Then... Then he chews one and goes to spit it out the window, but the window's rolled up. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. on the window. It's, and then he, and that sounds silly, but it just really works. There's so many moments like that that just make you laugh. And uh, yeah, I just love. I just loved it. I can't. I can't really describe how much I loved watching this movie. It's much better than I. I enjoyed it much more than I remembered enjoying it before. But, but it feels like back. You know, back to the the script and that that why the why it's so good. And it's because, yeah, these characters feel like real people because of those performances. But because of the way they talk to each other, feels like people who are living rich lives, who are observing things about other people. Like like Harry in particular is like keen. It's it's almost like a stand-up routine, the way he, he observes other people's relationships. So, so the way when they meet for the second time in the airport after five years has passed... Um, and he observes that that her boyfriend at the time, Joe, you know, oh, he drove you to the airport, did he? See, I, n- I never drive people to the airport at the <laughs> beginning because the, the relationship, because then later in the relationship, they ask, why don't you drive me to the airport anymore? <laughs> <laughs> so good. And I remember one time literally saying to Dave, like, I was not quoting Barbara Streisand. I literally was like, Dave, you don't bring me flowers anymore. <laughs> but you know what? That's it, not true. I bring you flowers you, all the time. Well, you do or now. Or is it because you it's said that Because I said it, oh, I think. Right, okay. um, but no, there, it reminded me a bit of some of those really cracking episodes of Sex in the City where it's just such a perfect observation of human behavior like yeah. like Nora Ephron you can tell has been like stockpiling these kind of anecdotes I think and like how people speak to each other because they feel really real and like to say that I wouldn't bring someone to the airport at the start of a relationship because then when I stop bringing them they'll wonder why it's just such a good observation alright well I'll tell you I'll tell you where all that came from okay. and why these characters are so well rounded okay go it's because she um, she just yeah you're right she did inject um, every, almost everything they say and do is based on real experiences um, of herself and the director Rob Reiner and the producer Andy Scheinman. So they're the trio that basically kicked off this whole thing. In 1984, they meet for lunch and they want to do a project together. Oh, and they wouldn't just you love a, to be at that lunch? How cool is that? Yeah, right? that's so cool. And so they just sit around and chat. And she uh, fakes an orgasm. Rob Reiner, um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> presumably. Um, <laughs> Rob Reiner was going through um, a very messy um, divorce at the time with um, the, oh my God, what's her name? The uh, Penny Marshall, uh, the director oh, wow. of The League of Their Own and, and Big. And Big. Um, and she's a writer as well. Uh, yeah, she, and she, she's very talented. And, who, and she's also best friends with Carrie Fisher. Um, who's or was brilliant at the time, in this movie. Who's wonderful. And which I believe may, would have presumably made it a little bit awkward that Carrie Fisher was in this. Um, but anyway, they meet up and they're like they they try to come up with a project. They, um, they but they they don't. They, none of them are really happy with what they come out with. So they meet again, and then 
Reiner, Rob Reiner, the director, suggests that he'd always wanted to do a film about two people who become friends and don't have sex because they know it will ruin their relationship, but they have sex anyway. (laughs) And then Nora Ephron loved that idea so much, then Reiner went off and acquired a deal at a studio, and then basically they got like the funding to make this movie based on <laughs> based on that that's it that's um, amazing I mean that just but feels like, like it wouldn't happen these but days but that's what like and I like I know we always talk about this in this podcast but like that's this is all you need for a good movie like a good central idea a yeah. good script and good actors like these mid budget character driven movies are so hard to find now like I feel like even a huge director now you know who's a really big successful director at the moment Name me someone. <laughs> it's where we don't what have a, a podcast. Bro- what a broad question. Um, what, what do you want? Martin I'm just, Scorsese. I'm just saying, no, like a young and upcoming one, like Ryan Coogler Taika or someone. Waititi. Like someone like that would tr- even probably couldn't get a movie like this made now. Do you know what I mean? Well, they can, but they it, they happen on Amazon Prime and Netflix. Yeah, it would get That's zero cinematic distribution. It wouldn't <laughs> be the, like Oscar nominated, which I think this movie was, or movies like this have been from Nora Ephron. It was nominated for... Um, best original screenplay and didn't win yeah they don't like they literally don't even like well A there's no romantic movies made anymore and B when they are they're not rewarded anyway you are in danger of becoming woe is is the state of the film industry sorry yeah right now like that's a that's a real tangent yeah Um, but anyway the the, uh, Nora it cracks on Nora Ephraim um, interviews uh, Rob Reiner and producer Scheinman about their lives and a lot like 90% of that material goes into Harry so Harry is basically, as a character and a person, and his experiences are based on Rob Reiner's divorce. Um, and Ooh, Penny and Marshall did him bad. The way they talk. And and even, okay, here's, there's loads of um, examples in this movie of things that um, are just directly out of their lives. So, for instance, the scene where... Harry and Sally are on the phone to each other and are watching Casablanca at the same time. Oh, I love that. Apparently, Rob Reiner and Billy Crystal, who were best friends at the time in real life, used to do that um, all the time with each other, watch movies together over the phone. I used to do that with my friends in school. Me too. My friend uh, Mike and I uh, used to watch The Empire Strikes Back repeatedly. Oh, over the phone. Over the phone. What I used to watch at my friends over the phone was Home and Away. <laughs> okay. That says a lot about us as people. Um and then Sally was based on Nora Ephraim herself and a lot of her friends. Oh, um, you can feel that. Like it's it feels so grounded in reality. And it's like the way I know I mentioned Sex and the City, but I've actually just uh, read the book of Sex and the City and um a lot of that is based on like a journalist's experience. So again, it's literally her mining her girlfriends for stories. That's how you get things this rich. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, it, and they both have that New York setting, you know, of how shitty it is to date in New York. That's why this movie is so good because it's, um, it just feels real. Like there's not a single mom- like contrived line or. No. And the only thing I would say is contrived or leans towards contrived is the ending, um, which is narratively. Um, a happy and convenient ending. It literally has a race, a race, a New Year's race as he runs to her. The other, but and I love how they did that. Though, don't get me. I'm, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying I don't like that ending. I love that ending, mm-hmm. and I cried, and it's lovely, and it's beautiful. 
But it's a it's a movie ending. Do you know what I mean? But I kind of it's like that he runs. He's running. There's a clock. It's not like he's running to the airport, but he's running because he wants to get there by midnight because it's New Year's Eve. Yeah, but he like like tries to get a cab, can't get one, and then he gets there, makes his speech, and she's basically like, "Fuck no, off, Harry! I, yeah, I you can't that. just run in here that. on New Year's Eve and try and do this." So I liked that they did it while kind of taking the piss out of it as a convention. Yeah. But here's a early fun fact: it's not that wasn't how the movie was supposed <gasps> to end. Ooh, how was it supposed to end? The movie was not supposed to end with them getting together at all originally that's not how they oh you i would not have worked you can't do that yeah well i think they just came around to the fact that it wouldn't be very popular i couldn't find the real reason it wouldn't be so if somebody if somebody knows why they changed it i mean i wouldn't think it would be very narratively satisfying for them not to end up together because the whole movie is about them do you know what i mean yeah and but one thing i found interesting about watching it because you know them for the most of the movie they're friends right the romance is very late in the day they actually felt like two actors together felt to me very good chemistry on a friendship level like they're not two actors that you're watching kind of for me i wasn't like you know getting any major sexual chemistry from them but i felt like that was actually more realistic because if you have known someone for 12 years and then you fall in love and get married i'm presuming the foundation and the strongest foundation is actually the friendship side and yes they're attracted to each other but that's not the main reason they're together and it felt like that whereas like when you're watching like the notebook which you haven't seen like honestly the couple in that like like there's like they're just so passionate and that's what it feels like i don't think people with that level of chemistry would have worked in this like these two really feel like friends yeah that's that's what's so good about this because you know in the final line when they're interviewed and they talk about all the different times they meet you know when we first met we hated each other uh, then when we met again, um, well, I forget what they say, but um, then, and then we became friends and then we fell in love. And I, I really like, it feels organic the way it happened. It does. Um, and I love that construct that throughout the movie we see all these people talking about when they got together and then we end oh, on Harry lovely. and Sally getting together. So sweet. Well, here's another fun fact. So all that stuff, uh, every um, one of those is based on real stories oh, of people. Now, so now, they are actors in the movie. Um, but the stories themselves were based on the um, interviews that Nora Ephron conducted with the people who worked at the production company that made this movie. Oh, wow. Um, during moments um, when she wasn't able to write or whatever. It did feel real to the point where I actually had thought some of them weren't actors and were playing themselves. I love well, they're that as a construct. Actors, like, they're quite convincing. And it's interesting because like it's a fiction movie, but then they... It, it's a it's a narratively fictional movie like shot in a conventional way but then you cut to these interview scenes and you cut back to the movie yeah, it's quite an interesting sort of way of making it style. yeah um, but it I works. think it's so think, well directed this movie i think they're 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 they're, they're dotted through throughout the movie in a way that sort of allows well, often is used as a as a sort of a a, a, a comma to, or a full stop to sort of um separate two scenes particularly yeah. if time goes by but they're used um they're used to sort of a, a context to remind you of of love, I think. Yeah. Like it, it, and like how their like love kind of hangs over this movie, even though it's not really present until the second half. Yeah, it, you know it feels I mean? and they, it makes you feel optimistic because you're watching these lovely old people talk about how long they've been married. Do you know what else I loved in kind of a visual sense? I love how they mark the passage of time with like the different fashions like particularly with Meg Ryan because I guess women's fashions change more than men like basically Billy Crystal at one point has like sideburns and then he doesn't that's about it but with her it's like <laughs> yeah. when we first meet them it's the late 70s and she's got that like Farrah Fawcett like blowout 
big curl she's like spraying hairspray on herself and mm. and every time we see her, her she changes and at one point is definitely a bit of an Annie Hall visual reference because they're walking <coughs> down and she's basically wearing like they're walking to New York and she's wearing like a Diane Keaton outfit from yeah. um, from oh my god I've just forgotten Annie Hall <laughs> the name of the movie apologies I'm severely sleep deprived um, so yeah basically I just I loved how they marked all that like relatively subtly you know with, with obviously this was made in the late 80s and they're travelling through from the late 70s sometimes movies can go too far with that and they would have been ridiculous like in like flares or like really over the top it was like quite <laughs> yeah, subtle yeah, yeah. fashion changes um, and we just have to briefly talk about well, sorry, I think can, the two friends how great they are can we because can we, you kind of mentioned the elephant in the room being Annie Hall yeah because I think this movie that Annie Hall hangs over it a little bit or at least a lot of I think it's a better movie than Annie Hall I much prefer this I'm not I mean I'm not the biggest Woody Allen fan Um, but I much prefer this movie I personally agree with you and I'm not coming at that you personally agree with me do you professionally disagree with me I don't know what that means Um, (laughs) I'm just kind of wary of saying that because um, you literally just said it uh, yeah but I'm fine let me me say I am saying it with some hesitation I do think that I prefer this movie to Annie Hall I think Annie Hall is a great movie as well but I think I don't know this is more charming and easygoing it's or something. more sweet and, and charming and then Annie Hall's got all that weird stuff with him and the uh, the what's her name the oh no the, the, you're thinking oh, of I'm Manhattan thi- I'm thinking of Manhattan you're oh, thinking yeah, of Manhattan I am um, but this I think but, but Diane Keaton is, is tremendous oh she's brilliant but like I never Woody really Woody Allen's a great writer never yeah but I never really root for Woody Allen as a character whereas you're like rooting for Harry and this as much as you're rooting for Sally like yes, I, I really yeah. want them both to be happy and I really want them to get together right, anyway an we're not going to talk about Annie Hall but yeah just visually of course it hangs over this movie a little bit because it's, it's like New York you know it's a famous romantic movie set in New York yeah um, but, but, I, but, it, but it has a similar way and style just like uh, it strung together conversations and observations about yeah, relationships it really does do you know what I like about this as well I was thinking about it you know the way in most movies or TV shows you see characters in like multiple different settings so we know she's a journalist and he's like a political advisor or something mm-hmm. but we never once see them in work we only see them socialising or on their own and I actually really liked that because sometimes movies or TV shows can get bogged down by like trying to show you all facets of someone's life Work and you have to like cut to them in an office typing and it's like I don't need to see it and I just enjoy that this just always them at social events you're right and and it also like you know we reference that there's not a lot of plot in this but the plot that is there is an, is done in a it's, it's introduced through conversations about them meeting etc yeah. so like uh, we find you know, it's all incidental almost we find out that uh, Joe her boyfriend, uh, she's just dumped him. She, we find that out over a dinner with Carrie F- or a lunch with Carrie Fisher. Then she sort of, we find out that he's marrying someone else in the pivotal scene where they finally hook up. Yeah. Um, th- th- even the moment, the moment where Billy Crystal runs into his ex-wife. Um, oh, that's brilliant! And they're doing karaoke. The karaoke thing. It's it's all like it just feels like the kind of thing that would happen in normal life out yeah. and about rather than like a movie making a plot point yeah. like this happens now and I love the plot with Carrie Fisher and the guy I can't remember his name and they're, Joe, they're, they're yeah. friends who they try and hook up oh, with sorry, each his, other his name's Jess yeah they try and hook yeah. them up so basically Sally brings her best friend and Harry brings his best friend and the idea is that the best friend of each will hook up with the other yeah. and then the two friends get together themselves and it's kind of mirroring 
their romantic relationship with Harry and Sally's like non-romantic relationship and I really like that too I just felt like it all worked for me one, one thing I noticed I agree with you and one thing I noticed in that scene was a line of dialogue which I hadn't noticed before which made me realise how the dialogue is doing a lot of character work without us even realising it so we we know throughout the first half of the movie that Meg a big part of Meg Ryan's character is this the way she orders food in this yeah. really annoying sort of I love that uh, which is a lot like you actually by the way um, <laughs> cats, cats, and I get really frustrated by this I'm not that annoying though you're not that bad but you do ne- you never you, you always manage to like hit edit on the item <laughs> even though that option isn't there like well, take you, this frankly, out add London, that put this on the I side. pay so much money when we go out to even the shittest cafe that I may as I well know, get what I want but you're just such a waiter nightmare um <laughs> But the anyway, for the opening scene with them traveling up to New York, we get that, and he gets to experience that for the first time. <laughs> you could see the frustration and confusion on yeah. his face, and then by that's by the time we get to that scene where you mentioned where they're trying to hook up um, Carrie Fisher and the friend Jess, I noticed a line where um, they're like, "Let's order," and then Billy, Harry just says about Sally to the friends. He said. Um, Sally has this amazing, um, amazing way of finding the best thing on the menu and then ordering it in a way that even the chef hadn't thought about. Yeah, and he means and it as a massive compliment. It's a compliment. So it's like what he found so frustrating about her is now endearing to him. Yeah. And that tells you uh, how... Uh, it, it, it tells you so much about how he perceives her now. And it's mm-hmm. the same habit. Nothing has changed. Yeah. And then by the end, it's one of the things he quotes as... Uh, the things he loves about I know so sweet we're both bawling at the end now we both ball at the end of everything but still we love the end yeah but I'll you know there's you 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 can cry at something and you can realise that it's like a hollow cry you're being manipulated you know yeah I mean like I cry at Love Island so let's get real (laughs) but like you know when a movie is manipulating you through the use of um, music yeah largely music like I'll cry at anything Michael Giacano writes (laughs) without anything um, happening on screen so so like music is a huge impact as well as like any run of the mill plot that makes you think about your own life or family kill anyone off and I'll cry yeah but like this earns the tears I think because it brings you on the whole journey with all with both of the characters you're just so happy for them and especially yeah, because it's interesting how they do it like it's really near the end when they sleep together and she's like all in and then he returns to his his, his, his natural state which he's referenced multiple times in the movie which is after he slept with someone he lies there and thinks how quickly can I leave and there's there after they sleep together she's like snuggling him she's so happy and and it's very subtle he, uh, he's not acting at all actually Billy Crystal's just lying there and you well, know the way he's inside his head it's like and then he leaves and he completely pisses her off and he thinks why can't we just be friends and then what I really enjoyed is like it's only oh it's like three weeks or something but he he's like keeps trying to call her and talk to her and she won't talk to him and he gets increasingly madder and have you ever done this like to be you're trying to be funny and you don't hear back from someone so you send them kind of increasing silly texts right I've done I'm sure most people have done that well I have but he's he goes slightly mad that by the end he's phoning her answering machine and he's like call me do, <laughs> yeah. do, do just call me and then she finally picks up the phone and he's like oh and he's like a bit embarrassed 
surprised. No, he goes, oh, I didn't know you were there. <laughs> and again, that was just so funny. Um, but she's like, I'm not going to be friends with you. And, you know, fuck off, basically. And then it takes him that to realize like, oh, I can't just have her in my life, sleep with her, treat her like that. Yeah. still have her as my friend and it, it takes that to make him realise he loves her and I think that's actually quite accurate because I think if she had just gone back to being friends he could have effed about for years more thinking he could have the best of both worlds with her I'd agree and it, and it's interesting that the thing that disrupts their relationship oh. is them having sex yeah. which is the thing that often happens at the very beginning of people's relationships yeah I mean, 12, uh, I can't imagine being way. friends with someone for 12 years and then hooking up with them. Like, it, it would almost feel a bit weird, I think. Well, it does. It just changes the... It's like, well, it's like Joey and Rachel in Friends. Like, why did they bother doing that? Because Friends was running out of steam and plot points. <laughs> now, come on, this baby's going to wake up any minute. So, on to your fun facts. Okay, so... Oh my God, I'm watching Dave scrolling through his notes. Yeah, There's a wrote, lot of facts. I wrote a lot of stuff. Okay, originally, <laughs> um, it wasn't called How... Harry Met Sally uh, It's not called How Harry Met Sally What's it called? When Harry Met Sally <laughs> Oh yeah When Harry Met Sally I don't know why It's called that actually Well um, So Nora Ephron Wanted to call the film How They Met And then actually Went through That's several awful. Titles um, She also tried Boy Meets Girl Just Friends Words of Love And Harry This is Sally <laughs> They're all awful. That's pretty bad. Harry, this um, is Sally is the worst movie title I've ever they heard. They couldn't. Of. Nobody could agree. So basically, uh, Reiner even started a contest with the crew during principal photography, and then whoever came up with the title won a case of champagne. Nice. I don't know who. Came champagne. Up with it. I mean, you're. You st- this is what happens when I do fun facts. <laughs> I've got like I basically like sc- scroll the internet for whatever sort of things I can get, and you ask me follow up questions like what champagne. <laughs> Like, do you think I'm not? Uh, first of all, I'm not a, a journalist, and second, if I was, I wouldn't pick up that detail and be like, "Hmm, but I wonder what champagne it was." Just and then, checking, and then ring up Rob Reiner and and suss it out. Um, so I don't know. Okay. Um, this um, in order to um get into the lonely mindset of Harry when he was divorced and single, uh, Billy Crystal. Uh, stayed away from the rest of the cast and crew in a separate hotel <gasps> method while they were shooting the Manhattan Billy Crystal that seems uh, slightly unnecessary it's a bit unnecessary maybe he just didn't like anyone maybe he influenced Daniel Day-Lewis to go method I, I can only presume <laughs> um, Rob Reiner um, had initially envisioned uh, actress Susan Day for the role of Who's Sally she? Albright um, you would recognise Dave's now googling Susan Day I mean, for me yeah, this is look, podcast gold guys uh, he, he also considered Elizabeth Perkins um, who of big fame big yeah, yeah. Um, no it had to be Meg Ryan also Elizabeth McGovern Molly Ringwald was almost cast no uh, but Meg, and Billy Crystal would have been way too old for her Meg Ryan actually convinced her to give her the role but actually there were other choices for wasn't her. Molly Ringwald like 18 then uh, in 1989 Four years after Breakfast Club, probably early twenties. Is this nineteen eighty nine? Yeah, this is nineteen eighty nine. Okay. Yeah, I'd say she was old enough. Um, Are you maybe sure? Not old Are you thinking of um, the other movie we watched a bit of and turned off, the John Cusack one? The Molly Ringwald wasn't in that. No, no, that is nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, no, it is nineteen eighty nine. Because we were also year. started watching Say Anything last night. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you confusing this whole thing? (laughs) I can tell the difference of like two movies that came out the same year. Um, They had uh, the studio's first choices for Harry weren't uh, Billy Crystal, 
he's not your typical romantic lead at all no but best friends with um, Rob Reiner so I'm sure that helped but it's partially what makes this movie so great he's just like a normal guy yeah um, he's not a bumbling Hugh Grant or like an outrageously good looking Ryan Gosling but actually to be fair none of the these characters none of them were like typical romantic leads either uh, Albert Brooks um, yeah I can see them. that I love him yeah he's great um, he's from that movie with Meryl Streep that I love where they're in heaven Michael- between heaven oh yeah is yeah. that what it's called was it? no it's Crossing called like, over decision, decision, decision Decision City, City. That's I don't know I don't think um, that's what it's called Michael Keaton <laughs> it's called no decision it's the City. thing where it's like you, you, it's purgatory and, and they yeah. test they assess. I always think it's called Decision City but it's not is it not someone can tell us what okay. it's called um Michael Keaton was also considered. Yeah, he would have been good. He would have been think. really good. Um, but he did Batman. That I year, think yeah. I think Michael Keaton was probably a, a bit famous way. for this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and then Tom Hanks was also considered. Oh come on, we know him in Meg Ryan work. Yeah. But I actually don't think they like. I I actually love every movie they're in together. And like Sleepless in Seattle, I had wanted to put on the list, but Dave said no because we watched it quite recently. But I love Tom Hanks I, and Meg Ryan together. But I think that he wouldn't... I don't think Tom Hanks is maybe a bit edgy enough or a bit cool enough for this movie. Well, I just don't think it would have been the same character. It would have just felt been Tom like Hanks. the same character. Yeah. yeah. And, and speaking look, of, we should immediately now go and watch Sleepless in Seattle. I like Sleepless in Seattle. I think yeah. this movie is a better movie, though. It's just I'm a different honest. movie. Like, Sleepless in Seattle is much more soppy than this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a bit more plot-heavy, probably. Um... This movie, When Harry Met Sally, not How Harry Met Sally, um, is credited for inventing the term high maintenance. Oh, because he said she was high maintenance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Apparently it was not He said, you think you're low maintenance, but you're high maintenance. Uh, Here's another good one. In one scene, Harry is reading Stephen King's Misery. Mm -hmm. And then one year after this film was released, Rob Reiner directed Misery with James Caan and Kathy Bates. Oh, he was probably in in pre-production at the time. Possibly. Yeah. I like in that moment, you notice that he does the thing that he says in the first scene. He flicks to the end of the book and reads the last page oh yeah because he said that's how dark I am yeah. I read the end of a book so in, in case, case I, I die, die before before I finish it I know how it ends um, the music was all done by um, an actor and uh, singer Harry Connick Jr oh yeah I know um, him. because uh, Rob Reiner liked his voice and um, thought that he sounded like Frank Sinatra mm. and he won a Grammy for it um, Carrie Fisher helped punch up the script Oh wow! Because she well, actually, she's a writer. Yeah. She was a writer and became a famous script doctor. Um, she also helped punch up Hook and The Wedding Singer. Oh wow! I never knew that. Um, Fifteen years after this film premiered, a stage adaptation of When Harry Met Sally opened in London. Ooh! And Harry was played by Luke Perry. No way! Yeah. Oh my god, that's amazing! I would have loved to see that. Opposite Alison oh. Hannigan. From American from Pie and Buffy and oh, wow. How I Met Your Mother. Both from Buffy, because he's from the original Buffy movie. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Buffy connection. Well, that's awesome. Oh, we better hurry right, up. Okay. Elliot's waking up. Um, Elliot, what? He's just dying okay? to get on the podcast. He stopped now. Okay, he's cool. Um, and then later, they were swapped in. Guess, guess what? There was another run of this play in London. With Michael- Sarah Michelle Geller and Giles. No, <laughs> Giles. 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 I'm just watching it's him like in. Just a- read, it's like you read it phonetically. I'm watching him in a Netflix show at the moment. What's it called again? The Stranger. The Stranger. All right. Do you want? Do you? Re- do, you do you fancy some off? <laughs> do you want to go on a few tangents no. now while Elliot's about to kick off? Um, later, they were swapped in for Michael Landis, who uh, played Jimmy in Lois and Clark, the TV show. What? How long did 
And a stage show run this, for it. I don't know. Uh, and get this opposite Molly Ringwald. No full, way. Cir- full circle. Um, the was uh, it a musical? I don't think so. No. Um, all right, I'll, I'll finish up with this. So the summer of uh, 1989 uh, featured. Um, this came out in the summer, and it went head to head with loads of huge movies, including, including say anything. Ba- <laughs> I don't know when that came out. By the way, we tried to watch say anything last night. Couldn't finish it. Stop talking. <laughs> um, Batman, Indiana Jones, and the Last Crusade, which we. Uh, did an episode on this podcast oh yeah our 150th episode and Ghostbusters 2 your favourite movie the first movie I ever saw in the cinema so I was was going to the cinema this uh, this year great year I love Batman like Ghostbusters 2 can't remember Indiana Jones in the last you can't remember Indiana Jones in the last crusade which we watched like in the last year no for this podcast no and you can't remember <laughs> I mean like vaguely you're breaking my heart <laughs> um, anyway the film was a huge success financially um, and commercial no it's the same thing uh, budget of <laughs> Dave budget sleep of deprived six, as well budget. both financially and commercially when Harry Met Sally was the most successful movie that year uh, budget, but Elliot's really going for it budget of 16 million made 93 million dollars yeah lots of monies Lots of money. Iconic. Iconic. All right, let's leave it go. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to our random review of an hour with Sally. We will. We're going to try and go to a parent baby screening next week if it works out. Um, oh, we were going to go this week um, instead of doing this. Um, but the movie was Doctor Doolittle. We couldn't do little. Yeah, we and we're do just like life, our lives are hard enough right now. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs that in their life. Also, it's I think, like, I think just I because it's parent baby screening doesn't mean you have to go and watch a kids movie. Yes, take note. Movie movie programmers <laughs> parent baby like, screenings are supposed to be like movies for the adults yeah. not movies and it was actually two cinemas were both like that we looked at both <laughs> were both, both had Doolittle yeah. like Doolittle is a movie it's a family movie yeah. that's what you bring your older kids Elliot to Elliot likes much more hardcore stuff Elliot I think, put Parasite on <laughs> Elliot's dying to see it <laughs> it's like when I used to go to parent babies all the time when Oscar was little and I brought him like to be fair it was awful right I brought him to that Winston Churchill movie with Gary Oldman and it was like we used to go to the parent baby every week and that week Oscar just kept crying it was like the movie was so awful boring <laughs> whereas like I remember me and him went to The Greatest Showman and he was like loving it because it was quite upbeat and stuff yeah. and I just think Elliot would love Parasite um, they're just doing it wrong guys Pro- like, don't program family movies for parent baby screenings because the babies aren't watching it um, but yeah and if you like this uh, random uh, slightly rambling chat full of fun facts head over to our Patreon because we do these all the time over there um, Dave puts in a lot more work than I do generally thanks Dave love your facts could have done with some champagne knowledge though. I wonder what champagne that was <laughs> it's going to haunt me forever <laughs> alright uh, right okay bye happy Valentine's Day oh everybody. and thanks everyone for your lovely messages we got um, about having our new baby yes. it's lovely we really appreciate Thank it you. it's lovely we're yeah. very happy we're loving life we're as parents kind. of two kids at the moment mainly because one of them sleeps most of the time and I'm sure that would change very the soon the other one sleeps some of the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> alright okay. bye bye everyone if you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I can render. Tell the one who did you only, I can be so warm and tender. Call me, maybe it's late to just call me. Don't be afraid to just phone me. Call me and I'll be around. Give me a call. 
What do you do when no one else is watching? What do you do that makes you happy for no reason at all? What are you obsessed with? I'm Leslie Arfin, and I'm a writer, but I'm also a dancer, a painter, a vapor, a dollhouse enthusiast, and basically just an overall hobbyist. My podcast, Filling the Void, is all about what other people are fanatically into. We talk about hobbies, even if you don't have one. Listen to Filling the Void on Tuesdays on the Erios Network and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.